0: High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
2: Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city
1: Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Happy New Year, everybody! Beautiful day uh, outside. The Wilds' third practice today with their new captain, which we'll get to in a second. They uh, uh, have two more days until uh, their first scrimmage, which will be at XL Energy Center. Which I can't wait for. It'll be uh, they'll have two scrimmages in a three day span on Friday and Sunday. You can get all that coverage in the Athletic. And uh, then they open the season January 14th in Los Angeles, where they will have a new captain debuting on the ice at the Staples Center. His name is Jared Spurgeon. And finally, Jared catches up to his brother. I said that on the conference call the other day. Uh, Tyler Spurgeon has been a captain in Europe for the last five years, first with Innsbruck, now with Kaufborn in in Germany. And Tyler is gracious enough to be my guest today, all the way from uh, overseas in Germany. How are you doing, Tyler? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Well, congratulations to the whole family. I know that uh, you you got the scoop uh, the night before the announcement. Uh, at, right after Bill Garen and Dean Everson uh, visited Danny and 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 Jared at their home, their four kids, their two giant dogs. Um, what was that conversation like with uh, Jared? How absolutely excited was he?
2: Yeah, he was absolutely thrilled. You know, I think him being there for his whole career so far, he's very proud to be a member of that hockey club and to have the opportunity to lead that group. I think he's very excited and looking forward to it. It's
1: funny. I've been telling Jared for years, like, when are you going to get the captaincy? You know, your your brother's had it for so long (laughs) overseas. Um, But I mean, that, that, you know, he talked about it the other day and he and I know how much respect he has for you. You guys speak every single day. Um, but, but he will actually, he talked about on the conference call, he will get to lean on you for, for advice. This is the first time that he's had a letter on his sweater, at least in the national hockey league. You've had it for your entire career in Europe, not just the last five years, but many
2: years before that. Yeah, I know we talk every day, like you said, and hopefully there'll be opportunities for me to kind of shed some lights on, you know, the groups that I've played with here, and maybe some of the situations will be relatable for him, and I can kind of steer him in the right direction.
1: We're talking with Tyler Spurgeon, uh, the older brother for Jared. He's played in Europe, uh, how, how long? The last pretty much uh, 10 or 11 years um, after an unbelievable junior career. He won three, three straight Western Hockey League championships, including a Memorial Cup as well. He played with um, some absolute studs and guys like Shea Weber, Blake Como, Uh, Kyle Comiskey, Troy uh, Bode, Duncan Keith, and the great Jesse Schultz, which is Nick Schultz's cousin, former wild farmhand. Josh Georges, too. I know you led the the Rockets one year. Um, I mean, that junior team uh, just went on a roll for three straight years,
2: Tyler. Yeah, Kelowna was a very special place to play junior. Like you said, we had incredible success and some absolute elite players come through. You know, there was also Luke Shen there and Tyler Myers coming through and once I left guys like Jamie Ben so you know they have a rich history of winning in that city and we were lucky enough to come in at a good time and go on a great run so playing with you know that level of talent all the time you're definitely gonna learn a lot
1: I wonder how many brother combinations Tyler have ever won the Memorial Cup each uh because Jared also won it um I, I mean that would be a good little tidbit to look up because it has to be a had to be quite a pride for your your family when uh, but then Jared wins it only a couple of years later.
2: Yeah, they talk about it being one of the hardest trophies to win in sports, just the fact that you have a limited amount of time to get to that opportunity and the fact that both of our teams, you know, had a little luck on our side and the right talent to go there and win was something very exciting. And I think, like, comes to mind, the Niedermeyer brothers, I think, were together yep. in Kamloops there, and they won, obviously quite a few titles as well but other than that you know there's none that just popped in my head but we're very lucky that both of us had that experience yep and I
1: got to know both of them I covered Robbie for a long time in Florida absolutely uh, awesome guy and uh, and as is his brother um Tyler we, we t- tell us about growing up uh, you you both both are from Edmonton Um, It's infamous now, the amount of times or or notorious the amount of times that I've written about your your basement and uh, and all the (laughs) pucks that you guys shot down there. I think you put your mom in goal at times. Um, Tell us about growing up with uh, with Jared and and how big hockey was in, in both of your lives.
2: Yeah, I would say we were both very fortunate to grow up in Edmonton and in a family that absolutely loved hockey. When I was growing up, the Oilers were having their playoff runs and winning their Stanley Cups so it was a great time to be a hockey fan and I know Jared's talked to you guys about our grandfather having season tickets for the Oilers so we were lucky enough to go to a lot of games with him and my dad and you know there was obviously a fight when we knew there was a big game coming up who was going to get that ticket to go with them but yeah we were lucky to have that opportunity to have that underdeveloped basement where we could really work on our skills. And then it was something that we loved to do. We would do it before we'd go to school, come home from school, shoot pucks. Jerry would be in net sometimes. My grandma would be in net sometimes. Just <laughs> kind of whoever, whoever we could find. And as we got older and obviously Tyler Ennis became one of Jared's really good friends. Then the three of us were down there in our basement or in Ty's basement working on our game and really For us, it was just something we did in leisure and that we really enjoyed. But when you look back, the amount of hours we put in, I'm sure it definitely contributes to what we're doing now.
1: And uh, Tyler's dad and your dad coached together, right?
2: Yeah, they coached Jared and Ty growing up. My dad always joked with me. He could only be an assistant coach when I was growing up, so he could learn the stuff to teach Jared (laughs) and Ty when, when they were old enough. But yeah, him and Bruce, you know, they had some great teams at a young age. And yeah, they did very, very well.
1: And which was it your dad or was it Bruce that actually moved Jared to defense?
2: I think it was Bruce's decision. Obviously my dad and Bruce were working together, but at the time I think Bruce just saw that Jared obviously had that knowledge for the game and, you know, would be versatile enough to put back there and they could trust them. And obviously he's blossomed from there and just kept that trajectory. Isn't it amazing
1: the way that just like one decision can, could forge an entire life. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Jake Gardner was like that in high school, uh, um, who was out, Nate Schmidt at the Gophers. He came in as a forward, and Mike Gensel moved him back to to the blue line. It's just that, that one little move um, all of a sudden sets an entire career and a lifestyle.
2: Yeah, the opportunity for him to go back there. I know Jared at the time, he wasn't too concerned about it. He was looking forward to getting a lot of ice time, because a lot of times in Canada, you maybe only carry four defensemen on a minor hockey league team, so... He was excited to get to play a lot and maybe not have to be up and down as much. And I kind of laugh about it now because he is one of the more, you know, active defensemen that gets into rushes and skates so well. But I know he was excited for it. And like you said, he just kind of took it day by day and learned as he went. And yeah, he's done a great job.
1: You guys are definitely cut from the same cloth, and I, I learned that a couple years ago. I was leading a trip over to to, to Austria and Switzerland, uh, Tyler, and if you remember, I asked Jared one day in the locker room, you know, hey, uh, does your brother who's been in Austria th- for a long time have any advice for us? And I, I go home, and next thing I know, I get, I mean, paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of things to do that was sent uh, from you to him. Um, how did you wind up you know, overseas and, you know, I've I talked to you about this on a call that, we're, that we did last week for an interview for a story I'm writing on, Jared, but, but it seems like there are times where Jared is even envious of the lifestyle that you get to lead. We see on your Instagram just being on top of mountains and how beautiful it is over in Austria, Germany, Switzerland, all these places that you've been.
2: Yeah, it was definitely not where I had planned to be. I think every player that starts playing hockey sees the NHL and says, that's where I'm going, no questions asked. But when the opportunity arrived for me to come overseas, I think we talked about this too earlier on in the week that I didn't really even know where Austria was on a map, but to go over there and got there and the group of guys on the team were great. And the style of hockey was something that I felt I could play at a high level and it gave me an opportunity to work on my game. So I was very excited for it. It was interesting just ending up in Austria. I was done my entry level with the Oilers and I had played a year where I was up and down in the American hockey league with Wilkes-Barre and Abbotsford at the time. And I was just kind of looking to see what I was going to do the next season. And actually Manny Viveros was the coach in Cleggenford Mm -hmm. at the time. And he's from St. Albert, just outside of Edmonton. And he just invited me and said, Hey, why don't you come for August and come to our camp? And you know, if you don't enjoy, the city or the hockey itself, you can always come back in time for an American hockey league camp or something like that. And, you know, came overseas and was lucky to get on a great team. We went to three finals, three years in a row and eventually won the Austrian championship there with, with him as part of our hockey club. And yeah, it just kind of blossomed from there. And like you said, I really enjoy the lifestyle over here. There's definitely a lot of views that, we get to see on a daily basis, maybe not so much here in lockdown right now, but hopefully we can get back to that lifestyle.
1: And Manny Viveros, uh, a lot of wild fans probably know just uh, as Adam Beckman's coach. Now he coaches the silver Knights, a new AHL affiliate of the golden Knights, but uh, was Adam Beckman's coach in Spokane. And I actually think he had a stint with the North stars at one point. Uh, We're talking with Tyler Spurgeon, brother uh, of older brother of uh, Jared Spurgeon. Uh, He's got a little more of the height, definitely a lot more
2: facial hair than your brother. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm not afraid to give him a hard time about that on occasion. I think I told you we count how many mustache hairs he has and they <laughs> seem to be going up the last couple years. So, you know, I guess He's growing up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he is definitely growing up.
2: Uh, and it was pretty neat, uh, Tyler,
1: when I was in uh, Innsbruck uh, two summers ago, just seeing your giant face on the arena there, too, as well. I mean, it's got to be it, it's got to be a thrill to, to you know, be an import guy and be handed to sea everywhere you go. It's got to say something about the type of player you are and obviously even had a lot of success there. And by the way, uh, Tyler is a forward. Um, and you've had a lot of—I uh, mean, you just look at your stats there. You've had a lot of success there, and and now um, and then you go to to Kaufborn, uh change teams, and you're immediately named captain there.
2: Yeah, it's something that definitely prideful in the fact that you know when you come to a team in Europe, you maybe don't know the language right away, or you know everything that's going on within the culture. And I think made a lot of great friends here, and kind of tried to immerse myself and. Learn as much as I could when it comes to learning German and all about the traditions in each country. And then to be given the chance to captain these teams is something that I'll, I'll never take for granted. And it's something that every day I'm, I'm proud to do. And, you know, you come to the rink and you give your best and try to lead the team into battle every night. And
1: Kaufborn has won six of their last eight games. Uh, Already, Tyler's uh, more than a point-a-game player, 22 points in 16 games. Not a lot of games played, though, for Kaufborn this year. Uh, Tyler, you guys uh, ran into a, a little COVID-19 issue, and w- what's ironic about that, Jared was telling me that you actually didn't have the virus, but you had a quarantine longer than everybody else because of
2: it? Yeah, we were talking about that yesterday, just the fact that I've been here since August and the fact that I've only played 16 games since <laughs> we ran into that little COVID trouble within the team. It's, it's been a a long time with not a lot of action, but yeah, due to the quarantine rules in the region here, if you do get COVID-19, then you're expected to quarantine for a certain length of time from the beginning of your symptoms. But if you're a first person contact of those people, you do get an extra three or four days on top of that. So, Um, I mean, it was a lot of downtime at home, but you know, make, make best as long as you're healthy.
1: And now your co- your team is coached by Rob Palin, who's from Minnesota, right?
2: Yeah, he's from Chisholm, so there's definitely a lot of wild talk in the dressing room all the time. <laughs> we keep tabs on the team, and he's always asking what's going on, and you know he's a big fan.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about more growing up. Uh, you know what? What was I mean? I, I can imagine that Jared uh, wasn't the most talkative kid, and all that stuff. When I see him, uh, just getting to cover him, but uh, what was he? What was he like growing up?
2: Yeah, like you said, he, he was a soft-spoken kid as well, but he definitely could get fired up at times. I think we also touched on this a little bit early, earlier on in the week that we'd be playing hockey and stuff like that, and if you backed him into a corner, he wasn't afraid to fight his way out of it. So he definitely had that temper, but it took took quite a bit to push him to that edge.
1: It really is uncanny, Tyler. Like, uh, you know, I, I know that you catch up on a lot of games because of the time change the next morning. But just how when he goes into a corner, how you just know he's coming away from the puck. And as you mentioned, not exactly truthful that he's five foot nine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. and, you know, he, he might be a little bit shorter than that. They might be a little generous there. Um, but that, like, where does that come from? I mean, do, do you just I mean, when you're an undersized player, do you just you have to learn how to survive and function?
2: Yeah, I think him being small his whole career, he had to find ways to be creative and crafty to get that puck back. And you see that in how he kind of works around offensive players' hips and gets body position. And I'd say he's one of the smartest guys I've seen in the defensive zone for positioning and making sure that he doesn't put himself in bad spots. And you couple that with that determination and that fire that we talk about and just the pride in wanting to win those battles. and you have a pretty successful guy, more often than not.
1: Tell us about uh, your parents. You said that Jared is sort of a mix of both your mom and your dad, right?
2: Yeah, I'd say so, for sure. I'd put him more towards my dad, Barry. He's a little more quiet, and he's a strong personality, just a very hardworking man and a great example for Jared and myself growing up. We had his father, Doug, and my mom's dad, Paul. They were the same way, just Always putting in an honest day's work and also being very very kind to everybody around them. So I think we had great examples. And then I think that fiery side comes a little more from my mom. She's got she's got a <laughs> little more a little more of that determination and persistence in her. Tell, tell uh, I got
1: a, a, um. I don't know if you know this person, but Joshua Marshall tweeted me and said to ask uh, about. Uh, how he goes uh, their dad is a great role model maybe ask him why that is for everybody to know is there is there a story there that i don't know
2: i don't think so i just think like i said the way he conducts himself and Mm -hmm. i don't think there's a person that really has a bad thing to say about him he's a very likable person a very caring person and like i said his work ethic is something that's unmatched and for Jared and I, I think that's something we look at every day and say, you know, our dad's worked that hard for years and years. There's no reason why we can't do that every day.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely have nothing bad to say about your dad, and I think that you know why that is. Barry Spurgeon witnessed me in the uh, worst possible situation once Uh um, I know that you've probably heard the story before, but I was backing out of a parking space uh, many years ago. Ironically, I was at Tom Reed's and across the street at the downtowner was Matt Cullen's thousandth game uh, party. And yeah. I'm backing out of my spot after a game after Matt played his thousandth game and I click, bang, hit a car. I get out <laughs> to inspect it. I look and it's a black Porsche. I have a heart attack because I know right away it's going to be a player's car. Cause yeah. I know they're across the street and I look up and there is Barry Spurgeon and Jared Spurgeon just staring at me with like, oh, like almost sheepish smiles that they witnessed the beat writer ram into one of their teammates' cars. And uh, as Jared runs across the street to go get the player who turned out to be Nick Schultz, thank God. <laughs> um, I remember yelling I'm standing there alone on this cold January night with Barry Spurgeon like having the most awkward chip chat and I'm like yelling across the street to Jared to not make a scene in the restaurant because I didn't want the entire team coming out to see that I ran into Nick Schultz's car but it was like uh-huh. it was like the most awkward one minute of talking to a player's son after I rammed into the Porsche of another teammate of his it was just the weirdest one minute of my life I think.
2: Well, and Barry's such a nice guy. He probably I know. felt just, just as bad or maybe even worse than you did because <laughs> he knew the situation you were in.
1: Yeah. I did a great, uh, like, it was a cool sit-down in Fort Lauderdale a couple of years ago, a father-son chat with a bunch of the Wild Dads, and Barry was one of them. Devin Dubnik's dad was one of them. Eric Stahl's dad was one of them. Um, and two others. It'll come to me. Maybe, God, I can't remember. But, uh, but uh, you know, the pride that Barry has with what Jared's the uh, be- you know, become is pretty awesome, Um, but it's just, it's the same when he talks about you and your sister Brianne as well.
2: Yeah, we're very lucky to have two great parents always supporting us and giving us that foundation of work ethic like we spoke of, and then also just to be good people, and you see that in what Brianne's doing right now on the front line screening for COVID-19 in Edmonton, and then, of course, you see that with the personality of Jared.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome, and uh, you know what's really uh, funny is that w- weren't your parents actually visiting you overseas when, when Jared made his NHL debut?
2: Yeah, they had come over to Klagenfurt, Austria to visit me and watch a few games, and obviously Jared getting that contract in camp with Minnesota, I don't think anybody expected the turnaround to be as fast as it was for him to come up from the American Hockey League to NHL, so they thought it was a pretty safe trip to take to come and watch me play, and <laughs> Sure enough, he does a great job down in the American Hockey League and gets that opportunity. And unfortunately, they were over with me, but I know we were up watching the game and keeping tabs on everything. And the family that was in Edmonton was making their way to Calgary, and then he was in Edmonton a few nights later. So yep, and they've gotten to play.
1: They've gotten to see him play a bunch, and it doesn't. Isn't it amazing how Jared just seems to play his best games in Edmonton?
2: Yeah, you know, when they were at Rexall there, it was a special building for him. I think that's where he got his first goal. And like we said, after playing in Calgary there, he came home and there's a lot of friends and family in the building. And then, like you said, he seems to score goals there. And last year with the hat-trick in the new building, I think he was pretty excited about that. And everybody was there to see it. So, you know, hopefully it carries on that way for him.
1: Yeah, 12th defenseman uh, in NHL history, I believe, to have a natural hat trick, and he did it in his hometown on a father-son trip, so Barry was obviously in the stands, so was your mom. I think your grandmother was actually watching at home, right? She was not there. Yeah, she kind of picks her
2: spots. She's 96 years old, and I know she's one of the biggest Wild fans. I was FaceTiming with her just the other day, and she can't wait for the season to start.
1: I know Barry loves these father-son trips, but part of him had to be like, are you kidding me last year when the father-son trip was to Edmonton? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, like, had a
2: li- we had a little laugh about that, that. He didn't get the Florida sun this time. He was Yeah, uh, yeah. He was in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, you can't pick California or Vegas or Arizona
0: or something yeah. like that. It's just...
2: <laughs> give him Edmonton. a little escape.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: Jared Spurgeon, this is Michael Russo. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. And by the way, uh, now's the time to subscribe to The Athletic. TheAthletic.com slash Straight from the Source will get you in for $3.99 a month. Uh, now's a great time to get in, especially with hockey season coming back. You could read about this gr- gr- awesome Jared Spurgeon profile that will going to be right in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, today is my uh, Spurgeon day. And not only, I don't even know if you know this, Tyler. But not only am I doing a uh, podcast right now with Tyler, but uh, right when I get off with you, I'm calling Danny Spurgeon for a story, for this story, uh, which is Jared's wife. And then at five o'clock, I'm talking to Barry Spurgeon. So uh, today is a very uh, heavy Spurgeon day. Wow, you'll Uh, be good for a couple months (laughs) after this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And by the way, if you uh, if you are. Uh, a athletic subscriber as well you don't even need to be a subscriber you can listen to all our podcasts we have a ton of great ones this week by the way beginning January 11th the athletic debuts the new athletic hockey show podcast with Ian Mendez Ian is joined by Haley Salivan who's our uh, that's on Monday she is our new Calgary Flames writer she's coming over from Ottawa and Sean McAdoo which is uh, Down Goes Brown at The Athletic. Uh, He's on Thursdays, along with our connected roster of hockey writers, including Pierre LeBron, Craig Custance, Mike Russo, Scott Burnside. I swear I didn't put my name there. That's in the script, Tyler. Um, (laughs) At The Athletic and wherever you listen to podcasts. John Carlson, the Washington Capitals, joins Scott Burnside and Pierre LeBron this week on a new episode of The Two-Man Advantage. Blues captain Nick Foligno and his wife Janelle are Craig Custance's guests on uh, The Full 60 this week. It seems like Foligno's on Every single podcast every week uh, at The Athletic, and we'll have to get Marcus on another one since. Jared's a veteran of this podcast. He's been on a couple of them. Now we got uh, Tyler Spurgeon. Tell me about Danny and Jared's relationship. Uh, they were, I mean, they are the prototypical high school sweethearts, right?
2: Yeah, really. It's a storybook story in a way. They met when they were very young, and I can't remember them being separable at all since then. And the fact that they found each other so early in life, and They've grown together, and now we see their beautiful family, their amazing kids, the dogs and everything. You know, it just seems to have all gone in the right direction for them, and I couldn't be happier, and they're great people, as you know.
1: Yeah, um, and uh, they've got four kids. I know Zach's 11. He was actually born in Edmonton, and then Colby's six. She was born here. Jace is three. He was born here, and Meyer is turning, I think, two. Uh, because I I always remember doing the dot, dot, dots and story. And uh, and Meyer also, she was born uh, here. And Colby is the is the funny one. Colby, I don't, did you see that anecdote the other day? Or did Jared <laughs> yeah, tell you? Yeah, no, I
2: saw it and I wasn't surprised. You know, she's <laughs> definitely got a lot of sass to her and she's never, never afraid to speak her mind. So I right. wasn't shy to let uh, Mr. Garen know what she was thinking was happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh and if 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 you were not an athletic subscriber, which you should be, uh you'd know the anecdote. But uh the uh but uh when Bill Guerin and Dean Evison went over to their house, uh Bill was trying to lighten the mood because probably everybody had their Sunday bests on and uh and uh and Billy asked uh Jared's kids, Do you know why I'm here? And Colby goes, Is it to fire my dad? And, uh, <laughs> she's, she's been watching said, course, too, m- too many yeah, movies. Yeah. Exactly. Uh Um, And then Jared, of course, said, no, I have a no move clause. That's not what (laughs) 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 that might be a little too old for um, what I I know. You mentioned that phone call that night before, like or that that, or right after uh, that, that he um, found out that he was captain. Like, you know, he he's so cool as a cucumber. But like, you know, was there some like what like the emotion on that call when he called you? What was it like?
2: Yeah, like I said before, I think he was just kind of taking it all in as well. The fact that, you know, he was going to be given this responsibility and the excitement was coupled with the pride of everything. And I think, you know, he knew that there was always going to be a possibility, but knowing Jared, it wouldn't have changed who he was either way. He would still be coming in every day and, you know, leading as best he could. But this just kind of puts that letter on his jersey and, He's definitely gonna have that responsibility every day, and I know he'll be happy to do that.
1: Does, I mean, how much is there? And I'm not trying to get you know put you in a position where you got to give me inside details, but you know, it, obviously there was a lot of talk here that it's going to be either Parisi versus Jared. Does do, do you think that did Jared need any advice on maybe sitting down with with Zach and making sure that that he was cool with it, or, or just kind of easing that maybe that awkwardness that might be there?
2: No, he never mentioned that to me. He obviously had an idea of what the group was that maybe they were looking at to give that leadership role to. And I know he gets along very well with Zach and with uh, Ryan there. So he just yep. mentioned after that he was given the news that he was going to be the captain. And the next day when he was at the rink that they were both really great to him. And, you know, they're going to be a great leadership team.
1: Yep. And uh, I know Zach has said that it's uh, incumbent on everybody to rally around the captain, no matter who it was. Uh, you know, there's such a cool picture I have somewhere on my phone of we were at an outdoor practice a couple years ago and um, s- sitting there was uh, Zach and uh, Ryan's son, Brooks, both wearing suitor and Spurgeon jerseys playing together. And they they almost looked like they were lined up for like the national anthem, like you would see the two defense partners, and it was just like the coolest sight of like
2: the next generation uh, Tyler of uh,
1: of little of Spurgeon and oh <laughs> uh,
2: It's exciting, you know. Minnesota is such an amazing hockey state, and I've been fortunate enough to get there after a few of my seasons to watch some playoff games, and you can really see the love of hockey and the fans, and just the energy that's in the city. So for those boys to grow up there and be able to play their minor hockey and grow up together and be around the team. I think it's something that's very special for them.
1: yeah, um let's t- go to some Twitter questions if you don't mind Tyler. Um, this is from uh not Noah's burner. I don't know what that means. Um, are you on Twitter by the way?
2: Oh, I'm on Twitter, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nothing funny. I always get a kick out of the Twitter name. So yeah. uh, sometimes I gotta uh, you know, make sure I
2: censor it first and just
1: <laughs> assure that it's nothing that I shouldn't be saying. Yeah, on the I podcast, don't want them but, to get uh, you.
2: Never...
1: Yeah, exactly. Um here's a great question though. Um wh- when did you know that Jared had quote it?
2: I would probably say when I had turned pro and I would come home in the summer and I would start to skate with them and like Him and Tyler Ennis would still come out. They were still playing junior hockey. And I would just see the little plays that he would make to me as a centerman and him being a defenseman. And it would make me think of guys like Tom Gilbert that I was playing with in Wilkes-Barre at the time and guys that were going to get opportunity and had opportunity to play in the NHL. And I was like, for Jared at this age to be already kind of seeing the game at that level and having the confidence to make those plays. I was like, he's he's a very special player, and it maybe took a little longer for people to realize that and for him to get his shot, but he's he's been doing that for quite some time, and I'm glad that it shone through enough that he was able to make his way to the top league.
1: Yeah, Tyler Ennis, uh, current member of the Edmonton Oilers. By the way, is there any funnier person than Tyler Ennis? <laughs>
2: <laughs> It'd be hard to find. I know he always puts a smile on my face when I'm around him.
1: Am I am I wrong? Were you actually like working out with Jared and Tyler when Eustace King called you guys to tell you that uh, that Tyler was just traded to the Wild?
2: Yeah. So the last I'd say three or four years, Jared and Ty and myself have been working out together, and we've been skating in the summers. So yeah, we were in the middle of a workout, and sure enough, Eustace gave us a call and gave us the news that the two two buddies would be reunited there in Minnesota.
1: It's funny. Uh, I still remember. One of my first articles that I wrote at The Athletic when I got here was uh, a big you know, story on, on Jared and Tyler and their friendship. And I was doing this interview at, I think it was like D'Amico's sons at the Edina Galleria or something. And we're sitting there at this table doing this interview and Danny just happened to show up there to get to get lunch. And it was so D- Danielle uh, sits down with us. And um, and it just turned out to be the greatest interview of Danny telling stories of Jared and Tyler as a kid. So I should uh, I should repurpose that and, and tweet that out with this podcast. But the funniest thing, if if I remember correctly, wasn't Tyler like allergic to one of Jared's dogs or something and like was having trouble coming over to their house and all that stuff?
2: Yeah, Ty has some pretty severe allergies when it comes to okay. dogs and cats. And obviously with Jared and Danielle being the animal loveliers that they are. Yeah, You know, Ty's got to get that Benadryl in him before he comes if he (laughs) wants to come for a longer visit or, you know, Ty too, being such a caring person, he always wants to touch the dogs when he's there and then he's got to be washing (laughs) his hands and stuff. So like you said, he's a pretty funny guy, so he can make that into quite the process when you're watching him. Yeah. If you don't know, Jared has a
1: like an 80-pound dog and like a 120-pound dog. I wrote about them the other day, and he was telling me funny stories when he had caprisoff over for dinner. They had a sushi dinner at his house, and Kaprizov fell in love with the big one. Yeah, and, uh, they're horses, those I, I, two. I, I know. I said to Jared uh, not to make him my cameraman, but I'm like, tell me you have a picture of Kaprizov playing with your dog, and you didn't. So uh, I'll have to get him next time to take that. Here's a great question, Tyler, from the dog father. Belly rubs for pups is his Twitter name. Great name. Um, what is hockey culture like in Europe? Is it much of a lifestyle as it is in the state of Minnesota? Where is the most fun place to play in Europe?
2: Yeah, so I would say, depending on what city you're in, you know, I've been fortunate to play in Klagenfurt. In austria which was a huge hockey city and then now here in and they have a amazing fan following and a lot of tradition within those clubs so you know those those arenas are sold out every night and when you're on the road you're kind of fortunate enough to have fans for you no matter where you're playing and i don't know if i could say where the best place to play is but i think the european game is different in the sense the fans are always chanting and cheering and whistling at the calls maybe that they don't agree with. So there's an energy Mm -hmm. in the building all game long. And I know any family or friends that have been over here to visit and watch the games really enjoy them. And, of course, as I'm sure you know, Michael, there's pretty good beer in the stands as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, You're not far from Munich, uh, which uh, has the House, which is one of my favorite places. Every time I'm in Munich, I go there.
2: Yeah, Correct. Yes
1: um let me ask you so innsbruck uh by the way you have you are not playing in front of fans now so that's got to be hard right
2: yeah like for being here in cough and this being my first year the reason i know of their fans is we've played some test matches here in the past because it's only about two hours from innsbruck so we were able Mm -hmm. to see the building when it was full and that was one of the reasons i chose to come here just unfortunately like you said the buildings aren't filled up yet yeah
1: you sent us you sent us to so many cool places in Innsbruck. I, I know uh, you sent us, I think, to the top of a hotel. It was a rooftop that like overlooked the city. You could see the arena in the distance. I don't remember what the name of that was. Yeah, that was the Adler Hotel. Uh, yeah,
2: Adler Hotel. The Bergisel Ski Jump, which was used for the yep. Olympics there. And you can see you know, right down the valley in the Alps yep. and towards Italy yeah, we there. Went,
1: yeah, we went all the way up um to the top there which you also sent and uh salzburg was another awesome place uh they have like a monastery there that's just basically a like a beer hall yeah that's uh, do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah. yeah i don't crazy. have the name
2: of it right now but yeah. I, I know my girlfriend she knows where that is so she spent yeah, a lot of time in salzburg
1: and it's absolutely gorgeous it's like this giant yellow building you'd never know it's there and you go in and they've got a bunch of like almost food stands. Then you go and you essentially buy your size. Uh, you know uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, like a beer stein. They call that. Yeah, yeah, beer stein. Yeah. Um, and then you go out to this incredible courtyard under trees in the middle of this monastery, and it's just and everybody's just having a incredible time. So yeah, those uh, those are
2: the places you can get stuck in for a whole day. <laughs> yeah.
1: Salzburg's just uh, just amazing. Um, Jacob asks, uh, "Who won the most fights as a kid?"
2: Well, like we touched on, I'm a little bit bigger than him, so luckily <laughs> I could kind of keep him at bay. I wouldn't say that I won, but I definitely would keep him under control. Because, like I said, being the older brother, you always give your younger brother a bit of a hard time, and we get in that basement and things would get heated, and you know, all the time fists were thrown. But luckily, nobody was hurt, and we both.
0: See terms at discover.com/slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it: tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick Sporting Goods. Um,
1: Back here, final couple minutes with Tyler Spurgeon, captain of Kaufborn over in Germany, uh, brother, uh, older brother of Wild Captain Jared Spurgeon. Uh, thanks for your time here, uh, Tyler. A couple more questions for you. Uh, and I know that this, uh, this is coming from Austria, but Stefan wants to know, how did you like living in Austria?
2: Oh, I absolutely love it. Like I mentioned, my girlfriend is from Austria, so luckily I still have a reason to go back there often, and Kaufborn being right near the Austrian border. You know, we're able to go into the mountains. It's such a beautiful country. Everybody was so kind, and the hockey culture there, I think, is a lot greater than people might have expected, and I would recommend everybody to take a look there. I know Germany and Switzerland get a lot of the hype back in north america but if you're gonna go see those two beautiful countries you should stop in austria as well
1: absolutely and uh i remember i was driving we were driving from austria to switzerland we actually went through Liechtenstein, which uh was (laughs) just a neat little place it's its, like own little sort of like territory uh got the royal palace still up in up in the mountains there and it's just uh just absolutely gorgeous um By the way, Jared's never actually visited you in Austria, right? Just because the seasons don't don't you know coincide? They do coincide, and you obviously come back during the during the summertime, right?
2: Yeah, we've discussed it a few times that you know possibly because Jared isn't due at camp until September when NHL is on its normal schedule. That maybe in August he can come over here and we can skate together, and then him and the family can travel like you know everything is pretty accessible mm-hmm. if you're in germany you can get to italy you can get to austria you can get to switzerland quite easily so hopefully that's something that's to come but like you mentioned between the wilds different playoff runs and my season and when i'm home to visit family and stuff it just hasn't worked out yet but i think that would be pretty neat if it did
1: what is your favorite country to visit
2: Oh, you can't put that on me. I honestly I love <laughs> I love this whole area when it comes to Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and Italy. Being in Innsbruck, we were about thirty minutes from the Italian border. So it was nice to be able to right. sneak in there for some coffees and some risotto. Yep.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so is that like Lake Como area or Um
2: Lake Garda. So that's very okay. similar to Como. It's just a little bit closer yeah. and yeah, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, uh, we did a Tuscany trip a couple of years ago as well, and uh, we d- we started off in Como. Wow. That was just amazing. Sure. Yeah, that was, it was, we were there for two or three days, went on the, went on the lake, went to all these little towns. It was just, uh, looked for George Clooney's home. Sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, that type of stuff. We're all dreaming um, of that. Melanie, uh, Minnie Melanie asks, uh, what is the best nickname for Jerry that you've heard or created yourself?
2: There's got to be better than Jerry, right? I don't know. Is there better than Jerry? So that's one. That, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're excited and joking around, Jerry comes out quite a bit. So <laughs> I'd say that's probably my number one for him is just Jerry. And then obviously both our heads turn if we hear Spurge or something like that.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Eric Olson asks, uh, obviously what tips do you have on being a captain and how many times did you face wash him after the whistle? Uh, yeah. The one thing, uh, you know, that, I know you've you've kind of talked about a bunch uh, t- talked about that, but on the ice, any tips that you'll have, from and Captain, dealing with refs? I mean, that was one one thing where I, I sometimes felt a lot of times the Wild got the short shrift in games because Miko was so fiery with the referees and the linesmen that I think sometimes it, it had a negative effect on the Wild uh, with the officials. Uh, you know, do you have any tips with with um, for Jared on on how to deal with referees and the stuff that he needs to do on the ice?
2: Yeah, I think his demeanor within a game, we all see how poised he is. And I think that will lend himself quite well to, you know, having that relationship with the referees. I think you need to be very respectful of them. You have to know that they have a real tough job. And at the end of the day, a lot of times in that moment, something's not going to change. So you don't want to put yourself maybe in a tough position down the road. So I think it's important to build relationships with them and, you know, even kind of, Make it so that the two of you are a little bit of a team within the game, so that you can help mm-hmm. them out to an extent, but then you expect them to take care of your players and your team as well. Yeah, and
1: if you and if you've watched Jared version do interviews, you know that uh, he's got that demeanor where he's just the friendliest, welcoming guy. So you could see him uh, be able to develop that relationship with the refs. And you know, it's 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 isn't it funny too? It's like simple things too. If you just know a referee or linesman's name like how how that'll even go far oh if you just know their first name
2: definitely and even if you go up to a linesman or a referee and it was a tough call on an offside or a penalty and you just acknowledge hey like i can see how that might have been tough for you but let's get it right next time i think they respect mm-hmm. that instead of you coming over full of fire
1: how cool would it be I, when i sent jared a text the other day congratulating him uh the first thing he wrote back is like i just hope that one day we're going to be celebrating something special here and how cool would that be? You know, he's got a seven-year deal now. Uh, that's There's this window here of young prospects coming into this organization. There's no doubt that they're in a bit of a rebuilding stage. We've seen a lot of guys leave here in the last couple of years. Jared's the longest tenured player by far on this team. How cool would it be to envision Jared Spurgeon lifting that cup and, and handing it to his
2: next teammate? Yeah, that would be absolutely incredible. Like we talked, the uh... The hockey fanfare in Minnesota is just unbelievable and I think that fan base definitely deserves some good times and I know Jared for years now has been talking about you know, how badly he wants to win and you can see that like you said this team might be in a slight rebuild but at the same time there is some incredible prospects and Bill Guerin has done a great job getting a lot of his pieces in place here and you can see this team kind of evolving so of course, that's that's the end goal is to win a championship in the Stanley Cup. So my fingers will be crossed every year. And yeah. I know he'll be putting in the work to give that team the best opportunity to do so.
1: Isn't it crazy just where this story started and where it's ended right now? I mean, it's not at the end, but you know what I mean? I, you know, NHL debut on his 21st birthday, only months after almost signing in Austria to go play in the same league as you were in uh, because he thought his – pro career here was not going to happen after sliding through a second draft.
2: Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite stories to kind of reflect on and having these conversations with people like yourself and to be able to just think of the twists and turns that it took and his perseverance and, you know, just that calm confidence that has pushed him forward. It's definitely something that puts a smile on your face and makes you feel good for him and all he's accomplished.
1: You guys have won six out of eight. What are your uh, prospects here uh, this season?
2: Yeah, I think we have a very strong team. It's just getting everybody back healthy and feeling good. And then we can start building that cohesion within the group and finding a bit of synergy and flow to our game. And I think we will be in a position where we'll make playoffs and we can contend. And that's what we're looking at right now. So, you know, like I said, you don't put in all that work if you don't want to win.
1: Absolutely. Well, Tyler, I really do appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to watching you from afar the rest of the season over in Germany. And uh, I know that you are got to be excited to, uh, to get a look at that January 14th game when uh, Jared Spurgeon goes on the ice that first time at the Staples Center with that captaincy on his crest. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, it'll be awesome. I'll be watching. Looking forward to also speaking to your dad later today. And uh, you know, check out our comment section for each podcast episode of The Athletic App and rate and subscribe to The straight from the Source on Apple. If you aren't already a subscriber to The Athletic, now is the time. Hockey season is upon us. Go to Athletic.com slash straight from the source and receive a subscription just for $3.99 a month. Just if you do that the next six months, 24 bucks to uh, read about Jared Spurgeon and his captaincy with the Minnesota Wild. It's a must, 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 must subscription. Thanks, Tyler. Really appreciate it.
2: Awesome. Thank you.